This is an encore episode of one of our favorite shows from season one. Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi everybody, I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. This is what we're going to be covering today. The mother I want is not the mother I have. Is limiting your relationship with your mother selfishness or self-preservation? This episode is going to be a little different. Today's guest is a best-selling novelist. She wrote a beautiful piece for our podcast, but then she gave us a call with a request. The one thing that we've definitely discovered in having mother pieces is that it brings up a lot of feelings, emotions, and sometimes truths that we're afraid to share because they might hurt somebody. The piece we have today is one of those, and the writer has chosen to remain anonymous, and I'm going to let her explain why. Yeah, so when I started writing, I wanted to write about anything but my mother. I have a daughter, I have a son, I have a mother-in-law, I have a lot of people in my life who I could have written about and my relationship with them, my maternal relationships with them. But when I sat down to type, my mom just came out of my fingers and I couldn't tell any other story. And it's real and it's true. But the whole time I was writing it, in the back of my head, I kept thinking, my mother can never hear this because if she does, it would kill her. And as far as I've come in my relationship with her and disengaging from my relationship with her, I still have a relationship with her and it's all I've got. And it's not something I'm willing to sever completely. And so for my own anxiety (laughs) and you know, in the interest of preserving that relationship in whatever form it is in right now, I've chosen not to put my name on this. This is called Barnacles. Sometimes, two or three weeks will go by before I remember that I have a mom. I'll be driving in the car or mindlessly pushing a cart down the snack food aisle of the grocery store when suddenly I'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot I have a mom. I should probably text her to say hi. I should text her, I think, because we rarely see each other or talk on the phone. Our relationship now is almost all in writing, which is how I like it, because this way there can be no disputing what's been said. It's all right there in little text bubbles, going back years and years, never deleted, in case I ever have to defend myself. Before there was texting, before there were iPhones or Samsungs or flip phones or Blackberries, the spoken word was all we had, and pretty much every time we engaged in conversation, it ended in yelling and accusations, mostly about perceived slights that I had committed years before that I could barely remember, let alone defend myself against. At your law school graduation, you went and took pictures with your friends before you came and took a picture with me. 
At your wedding, when I knocked on the door, you sent someone else to answer it. When your daughter was born, you let his mother hold the baby before you let me hold the baby. And generally speaking, these accusations were almost always followed up by the admonishment that I'm a cold, selfish bully who's put a hole in her heart that will never heal. That's a quote. Several years ago, we had an epic, this is the last straw fight, followed by several years of stubborn silence on both of our parts. Eventually, there was a thaw, though we never spoke of our fight or attempted to resolve our differences. We silently agreed to keep our relationship at the surface, to never again take a deep dive into each other's lives. So we text every few months, mostly about my kids or to share news about mutual acquaintances or just to check in so we both know that the other is still alive. Basically, my mom and I are a small step above being Facebook friends. When I tell people that I don't really talk to my mother, the general reaction tends to be one of polite horror. But she's your mother, people will say, and I can see their opinion of me shifting like sand. I can see them questioning their judgment, wondering how they got it so wrong by thinking that I'm a good, normal person with whom they would want to associate. Because truly, what kind of a person doesn't talk to their mother? A cold, selfish, bullying one, to be sure. I've given up trying to defend myself. I've given up trying to explain that no, actually, when she's gone, I won't be filled with regret for not having tried harder or for not having sucked it up and tolerated the way she treats me just for the sake of having my mother in my life. I've given up trying to explain that I've already mourned the loss of my mother. Or not my mother exactly, but the mother-daughter relationship that we were never able to create with each other. The one that other people have and cherish, which makes them unable to comprehend how she isn't an integral part of my life. As a mother myself, I can tell you that I would die if my children ever felt about me the way that I feel about my mom. I've lost countless hours of sleep and spent thousands of dollars in therapy trying to decide whether drawing the boundaries I've drawn is a terrible model to be setting for my kids, one that will cause them to think that it's perfectly acceptable to just stop talking to me one day or not allow me to stay in their houses when I come for a visit. My therapist assures me that it isn't, that in fact, I'm modeling great behavior by showing them that it's okay to stand up for yourself when someone repeatedly tries to beat you down. And he reminds me, just because my mother said that I'm a cold, selfish bully doesn't make it true. I so desperately want to believe him. But the things our mothers say to us are sticky. They burrow deep inside of our psyches, and they attach themselves like barnacles to our self-image, our self-worth, our self-confidence for all of eternity. I'm telling you, Gorilla Glue has nothing on a put-down from one's mother. With work, you might be able to loosen its grip, but you can't ever really free yourself from it entirely. As much as I know intellectually that putting my own need for peace and calm and sanity before my mother's need to be my victim is the right thing to do, I will always second guess whether I'm just being selfish. As much as I know that standing up for myself and calling her out on her behavior is the only way to protect myself, I will always feel like I'm being a bully. And as much as I know that keeping her at arm's length and not letting her into my life in any meaningful way is how it has to be, I will always suspect that I'm really just cold-hearted. Barnacles. My mom and I were cool up through my teenage years when I was living at home, but things with us really started to sour when I was in my early 20s. She and my dad had just gotten separated, and she didn't have anyone to lean on, so she turned to me. She wanted me to drop out of law school and go home so she wouldn't be all alone. She wanted me to spend hours every day listening to her cry about how horrible my father had been to her. She wanted me to be available to her 24-7 in case she needed help with something she didn't know how to do by herself. Basically, she wanted me to be her mother. 
I was so bitter and resentful. I was studying my ass off in my first year of law school. My parents were going through an ugly, traumatizing divorce, and my father was depressed and drinking and threatening suicide every other day. I needed her to take care of me, not the other way around. I needed my mom, but my mom had disappeared into a black hole of self-pity and helplessness, and so I distanced myself from her. Even as I say this, I can feel the barnacles in my head. Was I being cold and selfish for putting myself first? To be clear, my mother loves me very much. That has never, ever been in doubt. And I love her too. I really do. You can find things to love and appreciate about a person, even if they drive you crazy and generally make you miserable. As my therapist likes to remind me, nobody is all good or all bad. But my relationship with my mom just never recovered. After years and years of fighting and disappointments, I finally just accepted that the mother I want is not the mother I have. As I said earlier, it was a loss that I mourned. In letting go of our relationship, I let go of all expectations that she would ever act like a mother towards me again. Sure, she sends me birthday cards, and once when I had to have surgery, she called every day to check in on me. But she doesn't help me with my kids the way my friend's moms do. When I had surgery, she didn't come take care of me. We don't go shopping together or take big extended family vacations together. She didn't send me care packages when I was studying for the bar exam. She didn't offer me support or guidance when I got divorced. And she didn't come to my father's funeral or help me clean out his apartment after he died. In not thinking about her very much, in not speaking to her very often, in not expecting her to be there for me, in not allowing myself to be disappointed by her, I forged a kind of peace with her and with myself. So if you ever meet me and I tell you that I don't really have a relationship with my mom, please don't change your opinion of me. Please don't assume that I'm a terrible person. It's not what I want, but it's what I have. And with my own daughter, it will be different. I'm so moved by that piece. Another fabulous guest. I love it. You know, she had so many great lines in there. One of the lines that definitely stuck with me because I am a mother and things I say um, can be sticky to a kid's psyche. She says, I'm telling you, Gorilla Glue has nothing on a put-down from one's mother. I worry about that all the time. (laughs) It is. It is one of those things that you have to catch yourself because um, words matter. And a mother's words, we are pretty strong in our sticking ability and our ability to motivate. So we have to watch what we say. Yeah. Here's some more of Katie's conversation with the writer. So in the not speaking to your mom, uh, how did you come to that? I mean, I had, as I said, years and years and years of therapy that started around my mother. And it just got to a point where the fighting and the fighting, it wasn't ever changing. I was always trying to be right and to prove to her that I wasn't this horrible person, that I am a good person, that I am a good daughter. And she was always telling me that I wasn't. And I finally just, one day my therapist said to me, you know, it's like the movie War Games, like the only way to win is not to play. And he had said it to me before, but like for some reason at that point, I was like, you know what, I get it now. Mm -hmm. Like if I, every time I engage, we end up in the same exact argument and it's never going to change unless I just stop playing. I just have to not engage. And so once I did that, it was like a whole, it was like a whole new world. It was like, oh, okay. Like I can live my life without this constant anxiety of I'm going to have a call from her or I'm going to have an email or I'm going to have something that's, you know, going to 
going to derail my entire day. Um, and that was really, really powerful for me. And it plays into, you know, all aspects, so many relationships, like where you find, I say it's like a washing machine. Like you find yourself in the washing machine with another person where you're having the same fight over and over and over again. And nobody knows how to get out to turn it off because you're just stuck inside of it. Oh, that's a great analogy. Yeah. yeah, and so it's the same thing. Like, if you never get in the washing machine in the first place, you're never going to be in that, in that spinning cycle. That's so good. Yeah, but it's, it's, you know, yeah, anyway. But it is good for people to hear this, because I think so many of us, uh, you know, have these kinds of relationships with our mothers, by yes. the way. Yes, You know, and that's the one that's so hard. It's like, I can't... I don't want to hate my mother. I don't want to uh, never see or speak to my mother again. And yet, I can't breathe, you know? <laughs> I, I do, no. <laughs> it's like, she's holding my head under the water. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. And so I think that it's like when you finally decide to set that boundary and to say, you know what, I am not going to do this anymore, it's a very, um, it's it's really hard. There's so much guilt Especially as women, I think we are, you know, we're people pleasers. We just are. And we're, we're raised to keep the peace and to make everybody happy and to like, you know, you're good if you're not making waves. And that, I think, is a really, that needs to change. And, and I think it is changing a little bit, but I also think that as women it's really important for us to give each other permission to do that. Like, it's okay to say, you know what? It's all right. If so, if your mother makes you miserable, it is okay. No one is going to judge you. I mean, that's what this is really about. Like, the judginess when people hear that I don't talk to my mom. Like, whoa, what kind of person are you? Who doesn't talk to their mom? And it's like, you know what? I don't because she makes me miserable and I don't need that in my life. And... That doesn't mean that I don't love her and it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate, you know, the sacrifices she made for me because she did. And I, I see it and, and, you know, I'm genuinely appreciative for all of that. But that doesn't mean that I have to put up with a relationship that makes me deeply unhappy. And so if, if someone had said to me who wasn't my therapist, but like if I had had a friend who had said to me, you know what, it's okay. Like, you're not a bad person for doing this. And oh, by the way, I did the same thing. Yeah. Like that would have been really powerful. Agreed. And that's exactly it. You know, I'm raising three girls and my purpose in my parenting with them is to save them time, to save them time from learning these lessons. So that saves people time when they hear, you know what, I, I just am not going to do this anymore. And I'm going to get out of that wash cycle. I had Katie ask the writer a question. How did she handle her divorce differently than the way her mother handled hers? I just feel like I had a great model for what not to do, you know. And my mom, there were no boundaries so I knew every sort of detail. I knew every awful thing. And there was this expectation that I would, I guess, no longer have a relationship with my father. Mm -hmm. And he was my father. I loved him. Yeah. And I had my own relationship with him that had nothing to do with hers. And so I, I remember thinking when I got divorced, like, I'm not going to do that to my kids. And I can see how the temptation is there. 
and I can see how easy it would be to play the victim, but you can't do that to your kid. You just can't. It's not fair. So, I mean, in a way, it was really helpful because, A, I felt like I wasn't doing the damage to them that she had done to me, but even for myself, like, it was like, okay, you got to get your shit together here and, like, you know... Be okay around your kids because they need you to be their mom. Their parents are getting divorced. Right. They're right? in pain also. Yes. yes. And like you need to be there. And it, and it's not all about me. You know, I, I understand it in a way now that I never did yeah. at the time. Like I, I get it. I think until you go through a divorce, you really can't understand what it's like. And so you do want to just you know, vomit all, all over everyone about yeah. how miserable you are. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. Yeah. I understood how my mom did that too. Doesn't forgive it. No, doesn't make it, doesn't it okay. No, it doesn't make it okay, but I understand it in a way that I never did. This episode is filled with lots of lessons. The understanding is key. She, she gave herself that permission to be done with explaining herself. Yeah, I understand that. You know, there was a window of time where I had to give myself that permission with my mom and not speak to her. And her whole thing about not fighting, being in that spin cycle that you keep voluntarily jumping into, and it's a decision just not to go there anymore. The War Games reference. Yeah. The only way to win is not to play. Exactly. And that is especially difficult because you have to come to terms with the mother you were given. On the flip side is... She cares about her mother, and she cares deeply about what she's teaching her kids. Mm-hmm. And this is why she's anonymous. Exactly. And also, I think, really, what's important here is that if one person hears her story and walks away thinking, oh, oh, I'm not a horrible person for feeling this way about my mom, it's okay to say it's toxic and I can't do this anymore, it's not okay for my health and well-being, to have this relationship and let themselves let go of the shame of feeling that, Absolutely. then it will have been worth it to end. And for that mother who's going through that awful time, that divorce and that man, she hates him. Don't use him as a weapon against your children because that will hurt them forever. And hurt your relationship with them, mm-hmm. case in point. Yeah. Yeah. That's our show. Take care. Bye-bye. And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary. Because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment. Join us next week.